Hello, world, and welcome to the Philanise Nash Experience Podcast, an audio series of lighthearted and sometimes third eye opening conversations on entrepreneurship and leadership from the African American perspective. I am your host, Philanise Nash. Welcome. And on this episode, we are talking with a man who serves as the organizing and outreach director of Nashville Propel, which is a grassroots organization arm of the parenting group. His primary focus is educating and engaging families who suffer from chronically low performing schools, as well as supporting academically high performing public charter schools. He has lived professionally and personally at the intersection of politics, organizing, and education reform for many years. His past experiences include serving as the Director of Community Engagement for the Tennessee Charter School Center, working as a strategist on numerous political races throughout the county, and leading the Governor's Children's Cabinet. He was recently elected to the Metro Nashville Public School Board, representing District 4. And so, let's give a warm Philanise Nash experience. Welcome to John Little III. Thank you. Thank you. John Little, I think you are my first elected official on my show. (laughs) How's 2021 been treating you? So 2021 has been a a breath of fresh air. You know, it's a new year and we got a new administration. So I'm ready for it. New administration. I think we can all agree and breathe a sigh of relief to that. (laughs) So how have things been kind of navigating through COVID? I know you you ran an election during COVID. Oh, yeah. You've had, you know, (laughs) did you get married last year? I got married last year. Yeah. Yeah. So talk to us. How how has COVID affected you professionally and personally? Yeah. Um, the true saying of what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Um, and so running an election, um, wife is pregnant, bought a new house. Congratulations. Yeah, major surgery on my kneecap trying to play basketball. So I had to get that um, repaired. And then just being a father um, through virtual school. So this is 2020 was a year. But again, like what doesn't kill you make you stronger. So I I feel like I've been in the weight room all 2020. (laughs) Well, I'm glad things have progressed. Congratulations on the baby. I've been seeing you posting and showing so much gratitude for your wife. But that's amazing. Congratulations. Yes. I got the gray hair for it, but I'm. I'm it's it, you have more coming. Trust me, <laughs> more coming. So I I talked with Turner before I did this interview, and I was like, "Tell me one thing I should ask John on the show," and he says he has an amazing origin story. So mm-hmm. tell us about who John Little the yeah. Third is. What's your origin story? How did you get to where you are now? Yeah, um, you know. As you think about how you come up and you look back when you're going through it, you don't realize how rough and how tough it is until you finally get out of it. And you look back and say that was that was a journey. And and I'll say growing up, you know, I've lived, was born and raised in Nashville, elementary through college. And looking back, you know, every single year when I was in school, I was always suspended for fighting um, every single year from elementary to high school. And I ended up having a counselor to help me get through my anger issues. But sometime in high school, you know, I played football, I played basketball, and I stayed out of trouble. 
Uh, but when basketball and football season ended is when I would get in trouble. And one day at um, my high school, I found myself in a room full of kids. It was pitcher day. It was about a, a 150, 200 kids there. But there were one thing that was missing, and it was teachers. So somewhere in between, a big gang fight pops off. Um, and all I remember trying to help a fellow teammate and a friend, and in the process of helping him, they end up jumping on me. And so I found myself trying to help and then end up getting into a gang fight. And so I missed the bus that day because it was at the end of the school day. And I remember getting home and I started getting phone calls. You know, some phone calls were like, man, you know, tell me what happened, what went on. And then the bad phone calls started coming like, hey, like when you come to school tomorrow, you know, we're going to shoot you. Mm. And as I heard it, I kind of brushed it off. But eight or nine more calls came through and I just found myself in a place of do you ignore that or do you do something about it? I'm 16 years old. I figured I was going to do something about it. And so I end up coming to school the next day with a gun. And as I walk into the school, the police officer is right there to meet me. So I'm like, man, he already know I'm strapped. Um, And so he asked me to come into his office and I'm nervous and he sits me down And as a sigh of relief, he just says, hey, I know what happened yesterday. Don't worry about any of that. Just go to class um, because those kids are not coming back. And so I leave his office. I go by my locker. I put the gun in the the locker and I carry on my day. Sometime during lunch, about half of the school administration comes into the cafeteria. They find me. They take me directly to the locker so I I know what's happening. Um, And then they pull it out. And then after a few questions, you know, they arrest me. And as I'm being led out, you know, they got the T-shirt over my my hands because the cuffs are on there. I see my brother coming up because he had all intentions to fight and help me fight the people who had ganged me the previous day. So through juvenile, end up getting out of juvenile um, and and making it to a school. I luckily graduated um, high school and got a chance to make it into TSU. But in between that time, lost my mother um, through cancer while I was in high school. My father um, ended up catching a conspiracy charge. So he was looking at 25 to life. My other brother was already in jail for a probation violation, looking at six years. And then my other brother already had three kids. And so he didn't have a lot of bandwidth. And then my little sister had already been kicked out of school for bringing a knife. And so it, it was uh, not the best situation. Um, but at that point, I just had to put my head down and say, I never wanted my mom to die in vain. I think she passed away because she worked herself to death. And I just put that on my mind. And I, I got to not only just get through, but I got to be better than where I came from. And, and that's the legacy. You know, I don't have a tattoo on my mom, but every day that I work, you know, how I raise my kids, how I treat the community, it's a true testament to how she raised us. Woo, that is a testimony. Yeah. That it, so how does that translate into what I've seen you do over the years in, in your advocacy work, in your work on campaigns? Like what fuels you? Because when I've seen you out in the street, you move yeah. with purpose <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and intent. Mm-hmm. And you always have a goal and you can articulate and state it. So how did you get from where you just left off in, the, in your story to where you are now? Yeah, I think it's the can-do attitude. I think when you go through so much trauma as a kid and a young adult, when you finally get into this professional world and you realize the things that other people have challenges with, I just took what I went through, the bad things, and just say, I can do I can do all of that 
with my eyes closed because it's just that's just how I was raised. I was raised in a in the struggle. And so when you think about politics and getting people elected, when you think about presenting well um, to make sure you have a successful career, I mean it's I wouldn't call it a walk in the park, but it's just it's, I'm driven by something that's just different and I never want to be back in the place where I was growing up. And so I just have a chip on my shoulder. Talk to us about, um, so what came first, the school advocacy piece or working in the, in politics? Politics came first. I'll tell you, people laugh because how I got into politics. Uh, you know, I was a marketing major at Tennessee State University. And so I had risen from intern to assistant promotions director to promotions director um, at, at Cumulus Media while I was still in college. And so I was excited. I wanted this to be my career. On December 22nd, I was getting calls from my team like, hey, cut on the radio. And at the time, it was blazing 106.7, the hip hop station. I cut it on and it was ESPN Sports Talk. And I lost, we lost our jobs there. And that's when I realized I didn't want to be in radio. So I get online, I'm researching, like, what are some internships I can do to get some experience before I graduate? And I found an internship that said, hey, if you can make it to D.C., we'll give you a free ride and free hotel in New York for the convention. And they were um, they were pro-choice, pro-environment and pro-something else. But it was called Republican Youth Majority. And so I found myself in D.C., taking a train to the 2004 Republican National Convention. And man, when I got to New York and I looked around, it blew my mind. The big city, but at that time it was protests. There were debates like just in the middle of the street and all of that really excited me. I was like, this is awesome. And then I learned they were partying. You know, we went to the 4040 club. We went to the Yankees game. I was like, I want to do politics. Wait, after the 4040 club, you made after that? After the 4040 club, I was like, man, like they in here kicking it, but they got on suits. Like, okay. I love it. I love it. <laughs> Partying with a purpose. Partying with a purpose. So what happened after that? So that was your first taste of politics. And mm-hmm. then, so what was your next step after that? How did you bring that back oh, home? I came back to the Tennessee State University. And the first thing I wanted to do, because I had been changed, I wanted to start a college Republicans at TSU. Worst thing that could have happened. I got ridiculed. I was debating. But every time I was swinging at somebody with another debate, I was getting hit from behind. Somebody else wanted to debate. And so from there... Even though I was stubborn, I had to say, okay, like, let me look at both sides of the fence. And so I remember I'm applying for an internship with the governor, who was Governor Bredesen at the time. And I ended up getting the internship. And my first day as an intern, we had to create a circle around the governor because he was announcing major policy cuts in healthcare. And I was like, what have I gotten into? But through that internship, You know, I would go to the legislature. I learned about what a Republican is. I learned about what a Democrat. I applied my background and my beliefs. And so I really started to get my political compass um, from that internship. And after that internship, I ended up graduating from college. And then I went to go. um, He was running for a reelection. And I worked on this campaign as a regional field director. And from that moment, like I had it in me, like I knew that's what I wanted to do. And how many campaigns, um, I think I caught you more towards the end of your your campaign strategy, but can you tell us about the campaigns you have worked on, the levels and, and, and the successes you've had with that? Yeah, we was talking about that last night. So I'm going to tell you some funny stories. And so 
I end up, you know, leaving the governor's office and a friend of mine and myself, we started a political consulting firm. It was Low Smith Strategies. We really didn't know what we were doing, but we realized the money that people were putting into politics, who was getting the money, but they really were not winning races. And so we said, not only can we get the money, but we can really win races and you can put us anywhere and we'll win. And so some of the races, you know, we traveled all around the South. We did races in Mississippi for Travis Childers. He won in a Republican district for a special election um, right at the start of President Obama's term in, in 2008. We went all the way down to Mississippi, Ocean Springs, Mississippi, Biloxi. And you had this Democrat mayor, um, which was not many Democrats down there. And she raised 300,000. Her opposition raised 3 million. We end up winning by 57 votes. Uh, and I remember listening to the news as they were talking about her victory and they started to say, yeah, the NAACP and Acorn came into town and stole it. So I was like, Chris, it's time to go. We need to get out of town. Um, <laughs> Did some races in Georgia, some state house races. Um, I slept in a trailer um, because it was it probably wasn't safe to be in a hotel. Went to Sioux City, Iowa, um, and 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 did some races up there. But more importantly, right here in my city, I mean, I've done it from you could say dog catcher, but you could say just the smallest race to the largest race, um, and just that's what I've enjoyed most: helping provide leadership to a city I grew up in and a city I'm raising my my kids in. So speak a little bit on um, this last race, which was your own, um, to get on the school board. And then let me back up just a little bit. Talk about your advocacy work in poor performing schools and how you then moved into wanting to get on the school board. Yeah. So work in politics, you know, working with the governor's campaign and other campaigns, like I loved being in front of people talking about policy initiatives that will help our people grow. And I'm mainly, you know, black and brown and poor people. What I started to realize when I was in these communities where whether it was in rural Tennessee or urban Tennessee or suburbs in, in Nashville, I realized that education was playing a major factor um, because people couldn't read. People didn't understand the civics of why we have a, a political system and what it can or can't do for you if you're not involved. And so doing that, I was like, man, I love politics. I love getting people elected, but it's not really moving my community forward. And I, I started to realize that if you can't read, there's something in education that we needed to do first before they got to the point where, you know, they didn't even want to register to vote. And so I went back to get my master's in education and then I did a paper about a specific type of school, a charter school, and I wrote the paper on why charter schools were the devil. Um, and so I had my topic. I went to the school. I was telling them I just wanted to do research on something else, but I had my pen, my pad, and a, and a voice recorder. And being in that school for a week, I realized the autonomy that that school had, the relationship that they had with the kids and the families. That's the model that I wanted to use, not because it was a charter school, because of the autonomy and just their ability to, to just treat those families different. So parents as partners. And so I thought politics were important, but if we didn't have the education, it wasn't no sense getting involved in politics. And so then let's fast forward into your current position now. So you've been elected to represent District 4 and on the Metro Nashville School Board. So uh, what, what are some of the things that you're trying to tackle? I know it's difficult in COVID because the kids are not really in school, 
Um, but what are the things like what's what's first on the John Little agenda for District Four? Yeah, uh, literacy. And so even when I was, you know, we had a, a school board member, unfortunately, pass away. And so a special election. So I found myself, this is my community. I want to find someone who can run for this seat. And after a couple of conversations, like two or three people were saying, but John, why don't you run? And the first time I heard it, I was like, yeah, no, I ain't gonna use profanity. Second time I was like, nah, don't do that. The third time I was like, well, man, like maybe. And so I started to put it out there more. And I'll tell you, people laughed me out the room um, when I started to really talk to people about it um, because they were like, you know, Donaldson, Old Hickory and Hermitage, it was 90%, you know, Caucasian, 55 and up. And so they were like, John, we thought you lived in North Nashville. I was like, nope, been living here for 10 years. And so when they were telling me no, they just didn't realize that was going to make me want to do it even more. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I jumped out. And in getting elected, my message was simple. It was like, I want every kid to be college, career, and community ready. You know, college ready, even if you don't want to go to college, you're academically ready. Career ready. I was like, living in Nashville, we know every time a new building goes up, you need plumbers, pipe fitters, electricians, HVAC, welders. And then I would just talk about the community. And and I talked about like, it's good to learn inside of the classroom, but volunteering in a community teaches you things that you wouldn't learn in a traditional classroom setting. And that message alone, I mean, I just know it was something because as I talked, people would listen. Whether they were riding for Biden or they were supporting Donald Trump, they listened to the message and it, it resonated. And so literacy is first and foremost um, because it's foundational, but also in partnership with literacy. I'm looking at what I call vocation, what I think we call right now um, CTE, career technology education. So are you the only man on the board now? I know I am. I am. (laughs) So that has been the the good thing about this board um, and being the only man. We have had a very contentious Um, school board with people, infighting people, you know, going after our directors of schools. And so walking into this position being fairly new, the board is already um, realizing that they need to change the image. And so we can agree to disagree and it not be a major issue. But I think, you know, myself, I'm very passionate about kids. And I, you know, this this is my third or fourth meeting coming up tomorrow. I mean, on Tuesday. And so it will be interesting to see how this term goes because we got some really big issues in front of us. We got literacy, which the state has some literacy components. We have big literacy gaps in in Nashville. In one school district, only 16% of the kids are reading on grade level um, by the third grade. And for me, that's that's, that's our pandemic. Right. So, Speak a little bit. I, I, we've talked about how you poured in a community. So what is the legacy that you want to leave with your children? What is the message that you give your son and then, you, you know, your, your child that you're going to be having? What is it that you want to leave with them, that message, that legacy? He knew when to lead and he knew when to follow um, for the betterment of our people. Um, and, and I'll tell you why that's important. I think Our leadership, you know, I have a certain amount of leadership, but it's some people who may be greater than me. And so I had to recognize when I need to play my part. Do I need to be out front or do I need to be behind the scenes? Um, 
I want to say last year in February for Black History Month, there was a, a group of fourth graders at uh, MMPS school who were being taught how to make a slave. Um, and for me, it, it wasn't my kid, but it, it really ticked me off. And so I said, my contribution to this, because I want you to go to the school board. I want you to talk about this. We need to do a press conference. But mine is not saying anything at the press conference. My contribution was to dress like like a slave, no shirt on, no socks, no shoes, just suspenders. So they can really see a visual of what a slave looks like and why we don't need to be teaching our fourth graders. And so the whole learning how to lead and learning how to follow, like that's when I, I want to instill that in my son and, and my newborn is coming in my family and just people in the community. John, you have a lot ahead of you. But I know that you are the one to handle what's ahead. Mm-hmm. Um, so congratulations. Congratulations mm-hmm. all the way around. Um, so we're getting close to the end of the show. And so I do want to um, open up the floor for you to give out all your social media handles, let my listeners know how they can follow you, how they can watch you. Um, and then also any call to action that you have um, for anybody watching. Yep. So I'll stay with uh, social media. I'll start with Facebook. It's just John Little. Um, You'll see my picture. It's facebook.com forward slash Mr. John Little. I'll say on Twitter, it is political underscore little P-O-L-I-T-I-C-O underscore little. Um, With Instagram, it's the same. Um, So please look me up. Let's have a dialogue. Talk about the things that are important to you. My, My call to action is to make sure that we leave this place better than when we came. Um, I just think about, you know, the 70s and the 80s, you know, coming off the civil rights movement, and we have had a real regression and just growth in our community, mainly the, the black community. And so my call to action is to participate and do things that are really gonna grow our community, that gets it to a better place than we are now. And right now it's through education. We realize that Education is the key to success in this American system. And so you can kick the door down, you can beat it down. But when you have education and you invest in education, it opens the door right away. Um, And so I would hope that you guys pay attention to what we're talking about on the school board. Um, Pay attention to what they're talking about in the state legislature when it comes to education and just send this information to other people, like grow the people who you around, bring them into it as well, because that's how we grow and we build. Like I said, we don't die, we multiply. That was a baby kids um, quote. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> and if people are interested in watching, are the um, school board meetings televised? Are they in real time? They are televised. And so you can go to Nashville.gov um, and go to the, the channel three that'll be on the homepage or you can go to the um, Metro School site, um, which is mmps.org forward slash Board of Education. But I would say, check it out. People don't realize in our our school system, just in Nashville, our budget is close to a billion dollars each year, just in Nashville. And so you got a billion dollars flowing through a system that you that you don't have enough engagement, those dollars go elsewhere and they don't really go to our kids. And that's why only 16% of kids are reading on a third grade reading level in some of our communities with a billion dollars each year. 
And how often are they, when do you guys meet? Yep. They are the second and fourth Tuesday. Um, and so um, they start at five um, and then they probably end, sometime they end at seven, sometime they end at eight, but it's, you can check in and check out, look up your school board member, but second and fourth Tuesday at five o'clock is when the meetings happen. I encourage everyone. I'm on tune in tonight, watch you guys and uh, see what you're talking about. But I encourage everyone, um, especially those who are in Metro Nashville, have kids in Metro Nashville, because I think we we have like 80 plus thousand kids Mm -hmm. in Metro Nashville that need um, guidance and help and every little bit help. So don't don't pawn this off as not being your problem. So, John, thank you very much for agreeing to be on the show. Thank Thank you. Um, and just to all my listeners, I appreciate you guys. And I'm glad you tuned in. Uh, again, you can find all of John's social media links um, in the show notes. And um, I just want to ask everyone or, or encourage everyone to go ahead and subscribe, rate and comment to the audio podcast, which again is the Philanese Snash experience. You can find it on your favorite podcast platform, including Amazon and Audible, or you can simply go to philanesenashexperience.com. And we also have a YouTube channel. So you can watch this interview on YouTube at the Philanese Nash experience podcast channel. And then recently I just started hosting roundtable discussions on the clubhouse app every Saturday at 4 p.m. Central. My most recent topic is, has starting a business caused issues in your relationship? So the third installment of that is going to be this Saturday, Uh, but you can catch other episodes every Saturday at 4 p.m. on the Clubhouse app. And if you'd like to be a guest on the show, click on the bio link in my IG page, which is at Philanese Nash, one word, and complete the guest interest form. And follow me on social media. So I, again, thanks, John, for being on the show. And I just want to encourage everyone to continue to stay safe, stay well. Peace.